HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello, welcome back to the Heritage Radio Network's Farm Report. Thursday afternoon, live, coming from you uh, and coming at you from Bushwick, Brooklyn, in the back of Roberta's, where they are uh, expanding once again, building out their uh, restaurant to include their uh, outdoor patio as their new uh, next indoor space. So if you hear any of the drilling, that's just a les up on the roof. But uh, we wanted to uh, thank uh, Whole Foods Market, reminding you that every bite has a story. So whether it's a tomato, a muffin, or a T-bone steak, your conscious food choices can change the planet. Because at Whole Foods Market, every single purchase you make helps us support things like animal welfare, organic agriculture, equitable trade, and energy offsets. Let's think before we eat, and let's retake our plates. Thanks to Whole Foods for sponsoring today's show. Thanks, Heather. This is Aaron. Welcome to the Heritage Radio Farm Report. We have an amazing guest in studio, Sabrina Walinski of Corbin Hill Road Farm. Sabrina, you said uh, when we were chatting before the show that you kind of do all the non-sexy work in social entrepreneurship. Can you give us a quick rundown of like some of your roles at the farm? Sure. Um, Well, I work in the New York City office, which is based up in Harlem. Um, I do bookkeeping, marketing, website, IT, figuring out why our email isn't going through, (laughs) attempting to update our Twitter and Facebook pages, um, and, you know, the occasional, uh, how do we merge a bunch of PDFs into one file so we don't bombard our partners with with emails? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That sounds kind of (laughs) sexy. It is. is. So... Tell us a little bit about Corbin Hill Road Farm. It, it's a farm, but you're in Harlem. What, what, what's the story? Sure. Well, uh, Corbin Hill Road Farm is a 95-acre farm in Skohari County, which is about 40 miles west of Albany. And the farm was founded uh, to provide fresh food to the South Bronx and Harlem and to other areas in New York City that are food deserts. Uh, the farm is our upstate hub. We also have a downstate hub, which is our Harlem office, which coordinates our New York City activity, which includes distributing to 40, 14 partners on a weekly basis during the, the prime growing season, as well as a growing list of customers for our year-round direct order service, uh, where we specialize in providing food for Head Start centers, charter schools, and other community food businesses. So we have, I, I like to think of it as a bicycle. Uh, we have two two spokes 
And then those folks go out and create the networks and the two of them together create movement to to promote food justice and healthy eating. Now, um, when I, I found out that, you know, you were going to be on the show, I, w- I was most interested really about this uh, community shareholder farm. Um, I kind of wanted to hear what the difference between a community shareholder farm and like something like a CSA, community supported agriculture, really is. Sure. Well, it's the traditional CSA model has a couple of restrictions um, that don't necessarily translate well or adapt well to low-income communities who are our primary communities. Uh, we serve low-income areas, supportive housing, and other areas that just generally are not able to buy food at market rates, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, larger institutions. Uh, so the traditional CSA model, you have to pay up front at the beginning of the season. You can pay anywhere from 300 upwards. Uh, there's there's one supposedly that has a $1,000 membership fee. Uh, CSA is also, you don't get your money back at the end of the season if you don't pick up wow. or if you know, something happens, as well as there's a the chance of risk. Uh, you know, if the farmer isn't able to produce, you don't you get, get your no food. food. Yeah, that's the CSA model is you, you essentially share the risk with the farmer. Which is great. But if you're in a position where, you know, even buying $10 worth of groceries a week is a problem, paying $300 in March for something you're not going to get until June isn't necessarily an option. So what we've done is taken the CSA model and adapted it to not only meet the needs of low-income communities, but enhance those communities through health and economic citizenship. Uh, So, for example, we only require payment one week in advance of the delivery, as well as a symbolic two-week deposit at uh, the time of your first delivery. Just to act as a cushion, you can draw upon it at the end of the season, during the season. Uh, We also shield the shareholders from the risk. Instead of, uh, in a traditional CSA, you're only purchasing from one farm. That's changing now. A lot of farmers are now creating networks of farms, which is what we've done. Mm-hmm. So along with the produce from our farm, uh, this week we have collard greens from our farm. Uh, we have we purchase from two or three other farmers, and soon that will be four or five other farmers, uh, to help supplement what we're not able to grow. Because in reality, we don't need to grow everything we need. There are farmers down the road doing an amazing job growing things that we were going to buy anyway. So why duplicate when we can support other businesses? So that shields the shareholders from the risk of if our farm isn't able to produce right. enough. So you're going to turn to consortium of sorts. Exactly, exactly. So how much, just so we can get a sense, like what is a, a weekly share cost? Uh, well, the base price for our partial share, which is about six to eight items, is $9. And the base price for a full share, which is eight to 10, is $18. One of our sites is able to subsidize up to 60% of the share cost for their shareholders so that it's more affordable. Uh, for example, that on that rate, the partial share is three seventy-five, and a full share is $725, which is much more reasonable for people in the communities we serve. Uh, we also, unlike mo- many CSAs, we accept food stamps, mm-hmm. and we're working on expanding our roster of payment plans um, for next season. So that way... We're enabling everyone to be able to purchase rather than people who can float the cash or write a check. That sounds great. I, I think, you know, I've been learning a lot about food deserts, like you said, yeah. and food access. And it's wonderful that you guys have found a model that's working for you to, to bring food into some of these communities. Now, this project, I mean, how how long has it been going on? Can you give us a sense of how it started? What were the origins? Sure. Well, this Corbin Hill is the brainchild of Dennis Derrick, who is a professor at Milano, the New School for Management and Urban Policy. And 
I remember back in the day, it was it was a goat farm. Um, so it's it's evolved. And in 2009, he found the land uh, for the farm and purchased it middle of January, which, if, if you're familiar with upstate New York, is not a pleasant time of the year to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, after purchasing the land, that's when it really started to take shape and to grow. And it was just last fall that the he he took the plunge and said we're gonna we're gonna start in June, and so it really we had about <laughs> yeah. here we go we're farmers now we we had about eight months to uh, figure out how to make this happen, um, and we're still figuring out it out as we go into our second but to last it's delivery. happening it's happening right now they we have a distribution going on right up by Fordham. So I want to say hello to Choi Wa Wong, um, one of my coworkers who is distributing food up at Montefiore Health Center. So. Thanks for getting it out there today. Yeah, we actually kind of wanted to ask what you know institutions, what kind of role they're playing in in helping the, you know Cabo Hill Road Farm right now. Sure. Uh, well, just like with our farmers, you know, who are already doing something well, why duplicate it? The organizations we partner with are already in the communities working with you know food justice and food advocacy. So. Why duplicate what they're already doing? Uh, so we've partnered with 14 organizations throughout the South Bronx and Harlem, northern Manhattan, who already have a foothold in the community, and we distribute our food through them. Uh, the food is, we have about 12 sites where we distribute, and the organizations help enroll people, help manage the distribution, uh, provide us with feedback, and as well as contribute to the, the evolution of our program and figure out what step it's going to take for next season. So you guys are kind of rounding out the end of your first season here. Yes. Can yes. you, so where, I mean, how, do, how did, uh, where's the money coming from? How did you guys finance the, the project? We are a for-profit social venture, which means that our, our company is founded by private equity. Uh, we have an amazing group of angel investors who got us through the first season. Uh, we're currently doing another round of equity investment um, as well as looking into to some other options uh, for financing. Uh, and eventually, we will be able to be self-sustaining and run off of, of the revenue generated by not only the farm share program, but our direct service So for offerings. people, sorry, that would want to get in touch with you to maybe invest, how, how, what's the best way for them to reach you? Info at CorbinHillFarm.com. Okay. Just in case any of you out there listening and want to get involved in round two, ding, 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 time it's, is that ticking. It's a great chance to, to get involved with something that's going to become a very valuable resource uh in the coming years well it sounds like it already is a pretty valuable resource i like to think so yes i I would definitely agree i mean one day our gas is gonna you know eventually cost more than what it is right now so we're gonna have to stick with this uh local movement just a bit more yeah as time goes on probably i don't know if that's uh, one of the challenges you run into with like distribution and uh you know, all the logistics with getting things from one place to the other. And now that you guys are becoming kind of like a consortium, like what are some of these issues you run into? I, gas, the cost oh. of gas. <laughs> yes. I guess I hit the nail on the head. Oh, uh, you know, we, we see the truck come in and I see the gas money going out. <laughs> so it's, we'll be honest, transportation, it's expensive. Um, you know, and Skohari is not close. So our truck takes a lot of gas. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a refrigerated truck, so it Ooh. does take a lot of energy. Um, it's it's not necessarily the most green form of transportation, but for our needs, it keeps the fr- produce fresh. 
and we're filling the truck pretty much. And it keeps the farms in business. Exactly. We're we're doing something that the farmers up there haven't done before. Uh, before us, their food wasn't reaching New York City. It it was going out into the local areas, uh, the major terminals upstate, or you know, in some case, like in the case of the corn, just rotting in the field because it wasn't being moved. Hmm. Uh, this is the first season that some of the farmers have not had an abundance of excess corn, which was our benefit because it was absolutely delicious. I'm sure, delicious. Eat it raw. This is great. <laughs> oh, I'm a big fan. Yeah. So. Let's talk about the the farmers a little bit. You guys are growing food on your farm and then you're partnering with a couple of other farmers. How did you seek them out and what do those relationships look like? Um, We were talking a little bit before kind of how you were setting the prices for the farmers and and accessing this new market in Harlem in the Bronx where they probably, you know, haven't been before. Sure. Again, I have to attribute all of this to Dennis. It's the amount of work he's put in. into into making the company work, building the relationships is tremendous. So Dennis, we salute you. Um, and again, all these all the farmers that we're working with now really just came through happenstance and um, being in the right place in the right time. Uh, some of them have sought us out. We actually uh, there was a New York Times article on the day of our first launch, and one of our current farmers read the article, wrote us, said, "I have a ton of cilantro." We said, "We need a ton of cilantro." Let's talk. Literally a ton of cilantro? Quite possibly. Yeah? Wow. Quite possibly. <laughs> I, I just know it was a lot of cilantro. Oh, man. Um, which, by the way, was very hard for us to get at a reasonable, pri- reasonable price this season. <laughs> so it was the number one herb requested, and the day it launched, it was fantastic. Um, some, so it's a combination of people coming to us, people we've found, or Dennis has found through research and just knowing the people in the county, it's a county of about 40,000 people, so it's not that big. Um, and we were just fortunate that people heard about what was going on and wanted to be a part of it because they saw the importance the importance of everything. So, yeah, yeah. we're going to take a short break. we got lots more to talk about. We'll be I right back. I know. <laughs> we'll be right back. Heritage Radio Network's Farm Report. Welcome back to the Heritage Radio Network. You're listening to The Farm Report. We are live in studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Sabrina, I am glad to be back from the break. We have tons more questions for you and not a ton more time. Oh, no. Um, I, w- I want to just kind of suss out a little bit 
what the role of your organization is? Because it sounds like you guys are doing a lot of different things, some distribution, some partnership, growing food. What does the organizational structure kind of look like? Uh, Well, now we are a distributor that owns a farm. Uh, Before we had that flipped, we were a farm that distributes. And we realized that what's really needed now is, is not just another farm, but a distributor who gets the food from where it's grown to where it's needed, rather than someone just producing it and happening to truck it in once a week. Um, So we are a distributor. We do two weekly runs from upstate uh, for our two programs, which is also something new to our company. Uh, We just launched, on top of our farm share service, we launched a direct ordering service. And we're in almost our second month of that program. So... Is it growing? It is growing. We uh, we started some uh, at a new site this week, and our range of offerings for that is continuing to grow. Okay, what is that site? Hmm? What is what do you mean? Like a new farm? Uh, not a new farm. We've we've actually found some uh, vendors who have prepared food uh, because for a lot of our customers, prep time is is scarce. Yeah. It's uh, for schools. Uh, you know, peeling a squash is not necessarily the best use of your time when you have to do 1,700 meals. Mm -hmm. And so what we've done is we've found vendors who have done that prep work locally in Schoharie County. Wow. Who So we can not only get fresh food to schools, but get fresh food to schools that they haven't necessarily been able to access before. Wow. That's great. So that that sounds like a little, that sounds like a whole nother thing. And I think working in these communities, you know, you run into kind of some surprising challenges, one of them being prep time. I feel like when I've heard you speak in the past, you mentioned something about refrigerator size. Yeah, um, you you don't necessarily think about it, but where are you going to put all this fresh food that you're bringing in? One of our sites, we found out that the reason why people were dropping out is because they had mini fridges and weren't able to store all the produce. Uh, the schools and Head Starts we work at very limited storage space. You know, they have to do multiple orders per week because they just don't have anywhere to put the food. So there are all these little hidden hidden gems of, of opportunity that we're, we're discovering now and trying to to embrace. Well, and, and also, you know, with, with some of the farms you're working with, a lot of people sometimes don't know how to use some of the vegetables that are coming out certain times of the year. So the fact that you guys are preparing them so that they're ready to use, I mean, that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's going to help a lot of people, I feel like, bring it in and just able to use it and want to use it yeah well and even with our farm share you know we've had kale unfortunately has been the <laughs> it's the dark talk. horse it's always the talk yeah kale <laughs> what do we do with this when- you know i love it and it's forced us to really think creatively about how can we introduce kale to people other than you can juice it um because if you don't have a fridge, you probably also don't have a juicer exactly yeah. so I- you know it's about it's about education and it's about taking risks. We ask people to take a risk with us. Try kale. If you don't like it, swap it out next week. But at least try it once. I'm definitely with you. I actually saw something on like someone who was making like dehydrated kale chips or something. I don't know where I saw this, but it really was. It was because there was like so much of it available at a pretty good price. And they wanted to introduce good food to the children. So they made it into chips. They're actually pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we um, have uh, someone. Uh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> um, now we're getting into the cold season, and as I thought, that kind of means the farm might be dead, but maybe not. Tell me. I mean, what what do we have going on in these next couple months? We have some hot, hot root vegetable action going on. <laughs> uh, I am discovering things you can do with root vegetables I never knew. Parsnip bread, delicious. That's my plan tonight. Huh. Um, but our distributors are able to supply us with with a lot of 
food that's been flash frozen. Uh, there was a brand new flash freezing fl- plant that opened up one exit away from us. Huh, a whole so, plant for whole flash plant. freezing. <laughs> and we have some of the amazing corn has been flash freezed. We're testing that out. Our suppliers are now doing the, the prepped food, which means that a lot of things that are no longer being grown, tomatoes, for example, mm-hmm. we can supply in mass quantities and that are pre-cut. So prep time. Perfect. Minimized. Um, and we're also in early brainstorming sessions about how to do a root vegetable farm share during the winter season at a couple of sites. So just because the farm isn't growing doesn't mean we're not operating. Definitely not. Well, if anything, you're making it more accessible and more easy for more people to sign on and hopefully, you know, buy throughout the year. We were hoping for a thousand shareholders next summer. So so what do we got to do to get that word out? What's the website one more time? CorbinHillFarm.com. And if you stay tuned on the website, we're going to be posting more information about how you can get involved next season. Awesome. Excellent. And yeah, and just to touch base quickly before we bring uh, Jean on, what we, Heather and I talk a lot about non-farming farm skills. Um, you know, a lot of times when people want to get involved in food and food access issues, they're like, oh, I'll go volunteer on a farm or I'll go start a community garden plot. But it sounds like through your organization, there's a lot of other ways for people who want to address some of these food and food policy issues to get involved. Like, what are some of the skill sets that that you're looking for that your organization needs or maybe things you've run into where you're like, I can't believe I need to know how to do this, but it's totally important to this work? I would say cultural sensitivity. Uh, And just understanding that what you eat is not necessarily what your next door neighbor eats. And how do you how do you go about addressing that? You know, for example, I like kale, but the shareholder I'm signing in may have never heard of it. So how, you know, I'm just understanding how to talk to people about things that are unusual or different and helping understanding that change is incremental and not all at once. uh, And that you just have to be patient with people sometimes. And patient with communities because this becoming a shareholder in our in our farm share program is a learning experience, and just understanding that it's going to take twenty three weeks, but we are making an incremental difference. Definitely, and a good one. Yeah. yeah. That. Before before we go, any kind of like you have a magic wand, you can wave it. You know, five years from now, what what do things look like? Five years from now, we have five thousand shareholders. Um, an updated shareholder database system. Mm-hmm. Um, we have partners who are not only engaging through the farm share program, but also through our direct ordering service so that we can be providing our communities with food year round. Uh, we have healthier children, healthier communities. And eventually, we hope that in five years, we can start to introduce the idea of becoming, a, a, introduce the idea for communities to become owners of the farm. Mm. In the financial sense, actually own, you know, stock in the company and eventually be able to feed that money back into the community. Yeah. And if you're, if you're you know, somewhere near Schoharie County and you have a farm and you're looking for an outlet and you don't yet know about Cobble Hill Road Farm, please do get in touch with them. Uh, info at Cobble Hill Farm. Corbin Hill Farm. Corbin, I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's okay. com, And, uh, you know, just reach out and, you know, become part of the network. And uh, that's really you know, what we're all about is just continuing uh, to provide good food to, to the city and to everyone around us. So thanks. Thanks so much for coming in today, You're Sabrina, welcome. all the way from Harlem. Yes, yeah, a different Bushwick. borough. Um, yeah. So do we have Jean on the line? Hi, how are you? Hi, Jean. Welcome. Thank you. Want to quickly introduce Jean. She is the public 
publicity corner. <laughs> Ooh, apparently that's a <laughs> difficult <laughs> one for me. The pub. I can't say it. <laughs> publicity coordinator. Is that what we're going with? Yes. All right. NYC. Um, and she's here to tell us a little bit about what's happening uh, this week and next at Green Markets. Jean, what are you guys promoting? We are promoting Grains Week. We're very, very, very excited about it. Um, so we're going to have from November 14th through the 21st a whole manner of programs um, that are all going to center around promoting what our regional growers are growing in terms of whole grains and what they're starting to mill to bring flour into market. Um, so it's very exciting, and it's really, we started a conversation about three years ago um, talking to some growers about how we could get more local flour available for our bakers who come into the program, and that, you know, we realized that there was sort of a lack of grain being grown, but then there weren't enough mills to mill it anyway. So we realized there was a much larger sort of infrastructure question. So three years have gone by. We have uh, identified new growers new millers, new bakers, um, and now we're really starting to see some new products come into the market, which is exciting. So um, in order to get the word out about what they've got, we are going to have a home bakers meetup on the 15th, um, and the cost of admission is simply a loaf of your own home-baked bread. Um, So we already have about 30 people signed up to come. (laughs) If you want to come to that, you better get your word in quick. And make Um, a big loaf of bread. Make a loaf of bread, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, it could be cornbread or it could be a leavened whole wheat bread if that's what you're interested in. But it'll be a chance for everyone to kind of bring their bread to the table and sample what everybody else is bringing and talk about how to get, like, a better crust or if your starter wasn't working or kind of talk shop and swap stories about how baking at home is going. Um, so, so that's on Monday night. And then on Wednesday night, we're going to have an educated eater panel at the mm-hmm. new school. So we're going to have... A Represent big- the new school. Yeah, they are yeah. Long yeah. <laughs> um, Tell everyone you know to come. Um, so we're going to have a, a grower, a miller, a baker, and then uh, Michael Anthony is going to talk um, as a chef who's been using a lot of whole grains on his menu. And then Nathan Leamy, who also teaches uh, bread baking classes at the Brooklyn Kitchen but had a Watson Fellowship and studied wheat production around the world. He'll talk sort of as a culinary historian. Around the so, world. Yeah, yeah so they're going to talk about past, present, and future of grains in our region. And uh, where do we go to find more about, so to, to learn more about this and how we can get involved? Sure, in this if events? you go to uh, grownyc.org, uh, there's a whole link to Grains Week right on the front page. And you can sign up. Some, some events have tickets, but everything's pretty cheap. So hopefully we'll get big crowds. What are you most looking forward to? I'm most looking forward to, well, you know, Erin is going to come and do a cooking demonstration at Union Square, which will be awesome. Yeah, that's uh, right. And I just read your recipe. It looks great. Ooh, Erin, <laughs> so, what are you making? I Thanks am, for sharing. <laughs> I'm working with the rye chops. Uh, I got a bag of them from the market last week, something I've never used before. They're, they're basically rye berries that have been chopped in half, and I'm doing uh, a rye zotto. <laughs> you it are really good. awesome <laughs> with the uh, mushrooms and bacon. It should be pretty delicious. So definitely um, next Wednesday, I'll be at Union Square from twelve thirty to three thirty. So come by for yeah. a taste. Yeah, great. And then the whole week ends with a big pancake breakfast at New Amsterdam Market on the twenty first. So it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. I think a lot of people will be there, and we're going to make spelt pancakes and maybe some pancakes with emmer and whole wheat pancakes, and it should be really fun. That does sound pretty awesome. I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's almost that time for sure. Cool. So Green Week, anything um, anything else like that we're hoping, like it's something that we want to do every year? Is this your first time doing it? It's our first time doing it. Um, and so uh, we're just going to see how it goes. I guess what's exciting is that um, once we, we kind of had an idea for an educated eater panel and then we had an idea for a bread baker's meetup and then we were like, oh, we should have a pancake breakfast. And as our ideas have um, grown, <laughs> we realize there are a lot of people in the city are, who are interested in this. And so we've got a lot of partners around town. Working with New School has been really fun. Working with New Amsterdam Market has been great so far. Um, and so we're, we're spreading the grains around the city, which is great. Definitely. That's awesome. And the birds will be happy. I think. They'll be really pleased. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, thanks so much for calling in to share that with us, Jean. Sabrina, thanks for coming down. It was wonderful to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. Do we have Ben Flanner next week? We do have Ben awesome. Flanner of Booking the Brooklyn Grange. Grange. Hell yeah. We want to hear about their first season, Sweet Success. And uh, so tune in next Thursday, live, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Always archive, podcast, Heritage Radio Network's Farm Report. We are out for today. Thank you, Sabrina. Thank Thank you, Gene. Later. You've been listening to The Farm Report on the Heritage Radio Network. Tune in every week, Thursday at 1 p.m. Today on HRN, later we got uh, Flash Talks Cash at 4.30. And uh, that'll be it for the week. This week, um, one more thing to promote, full service, a monthly base party in Bushwick at Tandem Bar will be taking place this Friday. So go to fullserviceparty.com for more information. Again, you've been listening to the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks for tuning in.